The following program is funded in part by a grant from Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Welcome to Bike Life Radio from KWNK 97.7 FM, Reno Bike Project and BikeWashoe.org in Reno, Nevada. We ride our bikes out into the world with a recorder and we talk to people about their bikes and their lives. I'm Kai Plaskon, right on. Communities nationwide are celebrating Bike Month, not just in Reno Sparks. Uh, We're going to take you far away from the broken bike network in Reno Sparks. We're going to take you to a city that is setting an example for the world. Surprise, everyone sounds happy there. More women are riding, government is happy because women are riding and people are safer, and the cycling advocates are happy because the government involves them in decisions. Wow, imagine that. And we're going to talk to a very happy bike woman entrepreneur. Uh, We're also a punk alley cat racer guy, and we're going to talk to the happy government, too. It's all from the League of American Bicyclists National Bike Summit in Washington, D.C. Coming right up. This is KWNK in local bike news from Bike Life Radio and BikeWashow.org. Imagine a community where you could get to all the important places in Reno Sparks on bike paths. Wow, what a concept. Well, now you're one step closer to that imaginary world. You can draw a dream bike network with an interactive map from the Regional Transportation Commission that just came out. To find the link, go to uh, Facebook and then search for Bike Washoe, and we've pinned the link to the top of the page. And then you can draw a bike path in front of every school community-wide. You can connect those bike paths at schools to the network, and you can draw a bike path to the airport on Vassar Street. You could draw a bike path from UNR to Midtown on Center and Sierra Streets. This will all be incorporated into the Active Transportation Plan from the Regional Transportation Commission. Again, to find the link, go to Facebook and the Bike Washoe page. Happy drawing! The Regional Transportation Commission and City of Reno are installing a buffered bike path starting this month on Holcomb Avenue. The city was going to end the buffers and bike lanes right before intersections where cyclists need the most protection. But after receiving feedback from the Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance, they decided to eliminate turn lanes for cars and keep those bike lanes all the way through the intersections. Great job. The City of Reno and Regional Transportation Commission are considering a downtown micromobility network at a cost of tens of millions of dollars. Streets include 4th, 5th, 6th, Kerman, Sutro Streets, Vassar Streets, Wells, and a pedestrian-only bridge on Vine Street. The cost is $62 million in federal funds. Construction wouldn't begin until 2025. City and RTC staff want to add Virginia Street to the list of projects as the only north-south connection between UNR and Midtown, which is not recommended by traffic studies because it closes during special events. Traffic studies do support bike paths on University Way, Center Streets, and Sierra Streets, so the Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance is going to be asking City Council to add those streets as well as Vassar for better connectivity to the airport. People who want to get in on these calls to action by the Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance to improve the bicycle network can go to bikewashoe.org and you can sign up to be on our newsletter. That's it for local bike news from bikewashoe.org. 
Bike Life Radio airs on the first Sunday of every month at noon right here on KWNK 97.7 FM. Today on Bike Life Radio, it's Bike Month, and we want to take you far away from the sad reality of Reno's broken bike network. We're going to go to a friendlier, safer bike reality. Imagine what it could be like here. It's at the National Bike Summit in Washington, D.C. from the League of American Bicyclists. It's not just a happy place because they talk about bikes. It's a happy place because Washington, D.C. is doing lots of things right, involving the cycling community and installing a network, a protected network. By doing this, they increased female ridership from 25% to 45%. We're going to find out how. And then we're going to talk to a very attractive woman who also has a mobile bike repair business. Double wow, super attractive. Finally, an intro to a top secret alley cat race. First, though, we're going to talk to uh, a guy who really demonstrates the happiness on the street of just the average guy. He never told me his name because he was kind of in a hurry on his bike, but he had this huge smile on his face, and he stopped briefly to talk to me in Washington, D.C. We spoke in Spanish, but you can really hear the excitement and thrill in his voice. ¿Habla español? Sí. Sí. Soy Kai Plascon de Reno, Nevada. Oh, viene de Reno, Nevada. Ajá, sí, en, en una estación de radio. Yo trabajo en el restaurante Clays. Ahí yo todos los días vengo desde... I work in the Claws restaurant, and I ride four and a half miles from Arlington, Virginia, and I have ridden every day for five years on M Street. I ride over the bridge on 7th Street. I have had five bicycles. New. This one was $700. I bought it at the Core House Tech on Washington Boulevard. It's very safe to ride on a bicycle here. It's very safe here, and there are paths for bicycles. It is very good to ride here. There are paths on the left and on the right. They are making a lot of special avenues for bicycles. It is very safe. Four years ago, none of this was here. Everyone is using bicycles now because it is more comfortable. The traffic on the metro and the bus takes a while, so I go on the bike and I get to work on time. I gotta go, gotta get to work. It's time. Okay, listo. Aha. Andale, que bien. Okay. Gracias. We shoot a photo, and then he's gone, racing away on the happy streets. So what makes these roads such a happy place? Well, maybe it's all the women on the roads on bicycles. Listen to Will Hansfield of the Washington, D.C. Department of Transportation make a proud announcement. I think when we started counting, we were like 25% female, 75% male, and as time has gone by now, we are probably like 45 female, 55 male. It's actually really close. I think our gender split is really good. Hansfield is a bike planner with the Washington, D.C. Department of Transportation. According to their counts, protected bike path development has coincided with a 20% increase in women riding. Now, almost half of all riders are women. He took us on a tour of some of the great bike infrastructure, sometimes speaking to a large group over a megaphone. 
Uh, we do signalize um, the bike movements that are in conflict with any car movement. So it might be that you follow the pedestrian signal and we put like a sign plate that says bikes follow pet signal or we'll have a bike signal. And we're mostly using those where there's a, a left turn or right turn conflict with the cyclists themselves. Uh, and that's to keep the movements separated. Uh, so we're probably about, I don't know, I think our first bike signal was about 2010, uh, but we didn't really use them regularly until maybe three three years ago. Uh, and now we're using them on more and more projects. So it's it's kind of a work in progress and we're, uh, you know, feeling it out. I think the signal positioning and size, it could stand to be lower height and also maybe like lower diameter so it's not confused with other signals, but um, just, you know, we're, we're working on it. Oh, question in the back, yeah. Uh, the question is about counting devices. Yes, we do have them. Um, we have induction loop counters in a couple places, not on this facility, uh, but we also do point in time counts, uh, manual counts, and then we use some of the big data sources from time to time uh, to, and tube counters to try to figure out volumes. Uh, but we're, we're, we just reinvigorated our program. One of our trail planners is taking it on. Uh, and so we have some automated counts that come from those induction loops and other kinds of technologies. And we try to boil it all together and come up with some sense of what's happening out on the street. And then something will come along like one wheels or scooters that the counting technology doesn't pick up whatsoever. We got to try to figure that out too. So it's, it's um, you know, it's more complex than it seems when you first look at it, but we're, we're trying to do better about counting everything that's, that's happening in the, uh, in the small mobility space. We're talking to Will Hansfield of the Washington DC Department of Transportation known as DDOT. He's talking about protected bike path development. According to their bike counts, women ridership has increased from 25 to 45%. We've seen a real growth in um, uh, women taking children like on cargo bikes. I think that's a, that's a big uh, area for growth. Uh, but yeah, that's, we've, we've seen a lot of uh, change. And I think, you know, I, I, went, um, uh, I, I was on a forum with some speakers from uh, South America and Mexico, and they have a really big gender split, like 25-75, for reasons that are very different than what what we have ours was more like um people didn't feel safe so as we built safer bicycling infrastructure uh we've we've sort of been able to surmount some of that gap everyone feel like riding back yeah. okay so we're gonna go down uh, uh will hansfield from the department of transportation in washington dc uh well yeah i'm one of the bike lane planners um i've been doing that you know on and off for about the past 13 years but in the, with the current role i have uh for five years doing mostly protected bike lanes wide streets are uh, a great opportunity you were saying huh yeah what we found in a lot of our streets is that um, you look at the traffic numbers and there's plenty of capacity to still handle that many vehicles per day just in a lot smaller space and it makes them behave a little bit better if they have narrower lanes um, maybe fewer lanes in a lot of cases and uh, but that also creates all the extra space you need for the the bike facilities to come in what gets transportation officials over that line of we've got all this extra space and we're going to dedicate some of it to to cycling do you think well i think you know one thing i've learned over the years is, is just uh the thing that controls you know how many cars can fit through a space isn't really the, the amount of space on the street it's, it's all about what happens at the signals so there's a lot of interesting and, and neat ways you can you can maintain that capacity if you need to um, or you can give it a haircut, you know, sometimes you, you should make the choice that you don't want all those cars in places that are sensitive like schools, colleges, libraries, places like that, daycares. Um, and it might be appropriate to try to 
direct cars elsewhere away from those places and, and, and then put in more infrastructure that's for uh, safe cycling, walking, things like that. Um, but yeah, you, you, there's a lot of analysis that goes into any of this stuff. Our first bicycle master plan was in 2005, and we've been you know, hard at work on putting in bike facilities since, since then, which is a little bit ahead of most American cities. Uh, but we've learned a lot, and we're undoing some of the things we did in the past. We don't do a lot of regular bike lanes anymore, the unprotected kind. We're really focused on protected bike lanes for the most part. Uh, we don't get it right in every situation, but we're... You know, we're doing better and better as time goes on. We're gonna turn right into this facility, but we're gonna let the cars go first. You know, 10% of people in the downtown are moving around by bikes um, at far lower cost than like almost any roadway project. Um, you know, just to repave a, a certain quantity of roadway will cost you a lot more than, uh, than putting a bike lane on top of an existing roadway. So, you know, this stuff isn't all that expensive. It involves pretty rudimentary equipment, you know, flex post, concrete blocks. Um, sometimes you can do planners if you want to beautify, beautify things, but um, it's really about priorities. And just valuing uh, the cyclist as an equally legitimate traveler on public rights of way <laughs> as everybody else that's, that's either in a bus, in a car, walking. You just have to value them all the same and give everybody the right kind of infrastructure for their uh, chosen mode. We're talking to Will Hansfield of the Washington, D.C. Department of Transportation, known as DDOT. He's talking about protected bike path development. We'll be right back. Meet a victim of infrastructure injustice. That's right. My name's Kevin. Kevin wanted to ride his bike from UNR through downtown to Midtown. That's right. That's right. But there are no bike lanes through downtown Reno. Kevin tried to ride his bike anyway. He chose Center Street. Yeah, yeah, going the opposite way, yeah, because it's, it's all downhill and you can go real fast. Without bike paths, streets are dangerous. He found out the hard way. Someone put an island right there where it don't belong. I hit that circle going head on, and I went like 40 feet. I could get out of bed for two weeks. It's time to stand up for the victims of infrastructure injustice like Kevin. People on bikes, scooters, and motorized wheelchairs deserve safe streets too. Go to buildabetterbikenetwork.com and end infrastructure injustice. Kevin will thank you. That's right, that's right. We're talking to Will Hansfield of the Washington, D.C. Department of Transportation, known as DDOT. Speaking of cost, are you seeing less uh, reduced cost because 10% of people are on bikes? Like they're not impacting the roads as much or not really? Well, I mean, certainly it's, you know, the, the more people we have bicycling, the less pressure there is on other things. But I don't think we're to the point where we're seeing like, you know, the other costs come down because we have more cyclists. But I think that will happen in time. Um, whether it's through less resurfacing, less wear and tear on some of our infrastructure. Um, in any case, it's, it's something that you know, we, th we think is, is going to happen uh, over time. But, uh, but we're pretty happy with it. And mostly we're focused on providing a safe network of all ages and abilities cycling. Uh, so that people that are eight years old can ride with their parents. People that are 80, year old, 80 years old can ride by themselves safely in a network of uh, facilities that's, that's planned mostly for them. 
somebody was mentioning 14th Street and some sort of like a protected lane that nobody can use over there. Was that one of the, like, are you guys aware of that? And was it a mistake or, or, or no? I think that was our first try at a bus bike lane, uh, which we're riding right now is a bus bike lane. And so, you know, they're a little different. They're kind of unique. Um, and, you know, we're, we learn as we go. So I, I, uh, I think we would, you know, probably make some changes based on what we've learned so far. Well, I think we also op have to operate within the realm of, like, you know, what's politically possible, too. Uh, we don't have a culture that uniformly agrees that, that we should allocate even small percentage of our road to bicycling. So uh, we're getting there. But um, right now, I think we, we're, we're trying to take whatever opportunities to get people out of cars, whether it's by making the, the buses more efficient in their corridors. And actually, I think there's, there is... You know, it's not for everybody. This probably doesn't meet that all ages and ability standards to have bicycles and buses sharing the same wide lane. But um, for a lot of riders, it will work. And, you know, it's worth it's worth making the change. Worth making the change, he said, as he's riding away. Uh, okay, the... well, it's going to get a little bit busier up here. Uh, we're just going to continue on to 13th Street, and then we will uh, head over to the Portrait Gallery. You're listening to Bike Life Radio from KWNK Studios. Do you like that? The path, you know, the, you know with the freeway? I, I don't like the path next to the freeway, personally. I think it's, I would rather not ride next to a freeway. I would rather be either behind a sound wall at most, um, or just like near a river. Rivers are a good way to do long distance, like contiguous bike paths. Um, power line routes and gas line routes sometimes are good, good ones to do. What about uh, in terms of directness though? And, and getting someplace really fast, like... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the trade-off. You know, sometimes that freeway route is the most direct. Um, or like a rail, rail trails can be really great too. You know, rail trails historically are, you know, the reason that they've why don't we turn left here and then we'll That's Will Hansfield of the Washington, D.C. Department of right. Transportation. We've been talking about women and biking and the protected bike paths that they've installed there. Not only are more women biking in D.C., but one has started a mobile bike repair business in that city. Here's Leah Fantel of Upshift Mobile Bike Repair. Okay, here we go. Well, yeah, I always catch people off guard. Like that's one yes. of the signatures of yeah. of What's doing the radio this. Ah, uh, bike life radio. Bike life yeah. radio. Okay, cool. On, on KWNK ninety seven point seven FM Amazing. in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you're Leah. I'm looking yes. at your name tag there. Yeah. And and we're at the uh, the. Uh, National Bike Summit, aren't we? Yes, we are. And you work here in D.C., don't you? Yes, I run a mobile pedal-powered bicycle repair and education workshop here in the city. Nice, and you do it on a cargo bike. I do, yeah, a very, very long-tail cargo bike. <laughs> yeah, and you used to not do it on a cargo bike, didn't you? You had a trailer, right? Because we were talking about, uh, you know, like, I want to do that, and how do I do it? And you used to do it with a trailer, and you had, yes. like, all your tools and everything on the trailer, right? And what happened? Well, I started out using a normal bike pulling a trailer, then an e-bike pulling a trailer, and as I put hundreds of miles on these bikes and trailer setups carrying hundreds of pounds, eventually I found that it was not the safest setup. You hit a, you hit a patch of rain and the road is slick and that trailer pushes your bike down the road when you're carrying too much weight and it just felt not safe with the brakes. So I ended up upgrading to a cargo bike 
it's an amazing setup. You can carry so much stuff, ride forever, carry whatever you want, and it just feels like effortless. It's incredible. Do you have like 400 pounds on there? Is that what you said? Or no, you can you carry can. 400 on you this can. one. But on the trailer, how many pounds do you think you had? So it's the same amount of the same amount of gear that I was carrying on this as the trailer. It's usually around 150 to maybe 170-ish pounds. I haven't weighed the gear, but I've weighed the bike with the, with the gear. And bike plus gear right now is somewhere around 230. That's a, that's a lot of weight. It is, yeah. And um, so, why do this instead of uh, with a car or or something else? Uh, you know, just driving into a neighborhood with all your tools. I get way better access to people. I don't have to sit in traffic. Um, I don't have to pay or worry about parking. I can pull right up to my client's front door. Um, I can basically roll my whole set up without unloading anything through a building into their courtyard out back to be able to reach clients, be able to reach, uh, reach folks that need bike repairs. Um, it also was a great way to just be an example for the community to be able to run a fully like zero waste business instead of gas guzzling all day, driving my cargo van around. Mobile bike repairs of any kind are an incredible resource, able to reach people that can't necessarily reach a bike shop and be able to reach them efficiently and, and meet them on their schedules. Um, but I think a cargo bike is able to do it in a way that's just a little bit more magic than, than a cargo van. Yeah, so tell, uh, what's the name of your business? It's Upshift Workshop or UpshiftDC.com. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I mean, I assume, that, I mean, bike, bikes bikes are, are an interesting space of a transportation, a recreation, a vocation, uh, like a, a way to a way to just experience our communities and connect with other people. I think that there's there's space for many kinds of biking, many, many, many spaces that, that teach people how to, how to ride bikes, uh, connect people with other people that ride bikes, and uh, I think it's an, amazing, it's an amazing space to be working. We're talking to Leah Fantel about her mobile bike repair shop, Upshift. We made all these connections with people during the National Bike Summit in Washington, D.C. Uh, by the League of American Bicyclists. We'll be right back. What is the best month of the year? Well, bike month, of course. When is the best month of the year? Well, it's in May. What do you do to prepare for bike month in May? Well, first uh, look at your bike and then ask it, what do you need, bike? And then be ready for bike month. Then practice riding so you look cool during bike month. Then during bike month in May, look cool as you ride your bike. Where do you ride it? Well, you go to Craft in Midtown every Thursday at 6 p.m. Well, to celebrate bike stuff, of course, and to get presentations from local bike groups and free stuff, too. Every Thursday in May, 6 p.m. at Craft from the Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance. We'll see you there. During the best month of the year, Bike Month. We're back. We're talking to Leah Fantel, owner of Upshift Mobile Bike Repair. She does bike repair on a bike. You have gone into neighborhoods and just been there, and people. you were saying that people show up and say, how much longer are you going to be here? Is that what so at the moment, I, this is a for-profit, but it runs almost like a non-profit a lot of the time. I contract with the city. I contract with like other organizations to come up and do pop-up shops. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's really interesting. D.C. in particular, we have a lot of neighborhoods that are well served by bike shops and a lot of areas that are not well served by bike shops, bike shop deserts essentially, where people might not have ever seen a bike shop or brought their bike or don't even know that a bike shop exists. Um, they think the bike, when it breaks, is just broken, it's trash, it's a toy that broke, you can't use it anymore. The bike sits in their backyard, it rusts. Um, and if you come into their community with a pop-up and you're like, hey, I'm offering bike repairs from a certified mechanic, like come on out like people will people are so excited yeah they'll pull up with their car like brakes like they get very excited <laughs> and like they'll come on back they'll bring their bikes they'll bring their kids bikes like it's, it becomes like this really it's an incredible thing for the community a lot of the time so people or uh, the, the city contracts with you they hire you they have yeah uh, yeah and i'm trying to get more into that <laughs> but i've yeah i've worked i've worked with them for a number of pop-ups around the city so when you do a pop-up, how does it work then? You're, you're going into an underserved neighborhood. Are you charging them per hour or what are you doing? Yeah, so I'll charge the city um, for the program. Um, it's, an, it's a pretty great partnership where like my expenses get covered and I'm able to then offer that as a service to the community for entirely free. I even include like some basic parts. Um, we'll use new and used parts depending on, on what's needed for the situation um, and able to like really thoroughly fix people's bikes for no cost to them. Wow. Nice. How often yeah. do you do that? Um, at the moment, it's usually surrounded around events. Um, we're kind of like just city initiatives, so we have we have one coming up pretty soon that'll be kind of fun. Um, last summer, we were celebrating 100 miles of bike lanes in DC, so I was part of a number of pop-ups with the city for that. Just kind of celebrating it on different bike lanes around the city, um, and hopefully, help to do more. There's a yeah, there's a couple of fun initiatives coming up that I, I'm excited about. <laughs> do you think you're gonna expand? Um, we'll see. I was, I am, I'm excited about spreading this idea to more people and, uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. The yeah. idea of mobile bike repair. Yes. Mobile bike repair, bike repair is, a, is an essential part of bicycle infrastructure. Getting more people riding requires the bikes to be working and working safely and folks to feel confident with that bike um, and know that it'll ride them safely around the city. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I just want more people to know that bike repair is an essential part of all of this. Yeah. Um, seeing that need, no, I, I basically, I've worked in the bike industry here in D.C. and bike shops in different capacities for the last eight, nine years or so. And um, in my work, um, have gotten to interact with a lot of different capacities of it. Um, there's been definitely an interest and a need among our community for more bike education. Um, I had clients like reaching out to me, even when I worked in another bike shop, to do private lessons with them on how to work on their own bikes um, or to do house calls. If let's say they got a flat tire, they can't bring that bike to the shop if they don't have easy access to public transit where they live or they don't feel confident putting their bike on the bus or it's a cargo bike so it won't even fit. Um, and so, yeah, they would, be, would reach out and be like, hey, is this any, do you know of anyone that offers this? And I like, got this question so often that I was like, I do? Sure, I will do that for you. And <laughs> so I started doing it very small on the side of other work. And then slowly it got was getting bigger and getting bigger. And then the pandemic hit and the bike shops around D.C. were... Uh, they were totally slammed. There was like multi-month wait times. And so because I'd already built up this small client base, they all they had told their friends that I was doing this instead of getting like maybe like three-ish requests a week, I was started getting like like 10. And I was like, oh man, I'm like, I need to actually, I'm, yeah, my, it would be great to actually start doing this more often. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up quitting my other job and just went all in. Yeah. You quit your other job. What was your other job? I was working for the city bike share. Yeah, I was a, I was the lead bike check for Capital Bike Share here in DC. Uh -huh. Yeah. What did people say when you're like, I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna be mobile bike repair forever? They were really supportive. I my manager was yeah, was able to give me the grace to. He gave me a little bit of a, a buffer period to figure it out and. 
it ended up going well. So then, I, yeah, I ended up just cutting my hours and going all in. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and when did you go full full in? Yeah. So I started. I started working in this. I started started doing offering mobile repairs in the like January of 2019, but went full in. Uh, like it was about I think June or July of 2020. Yeah. Well, congratulations. So, Leah Fantel? Yes. Fantel? Fantel. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Upshift. Yeah. Bike shop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's so good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you, too. Uh, you're listening to Bike Life Radio on KWNK 97.7. We're at the National Bike Summit. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay, so it's Sunday at noon in Reno, and something called Scally Cat just ended. It's an epic 24 hours of escapades and bike charades around Reno. If you want to know a little bit more about it, look it up on my Kai Plaskon YouTube channel. Reno's Scally Cat is a little wild, but it's what's called an alley cat race. And these events happen all over the United States. While we were in D.C. at the National Bike Summit by the League of American Bicyclists, we talked to Joel Guards, who did an intro to alley cat for the National Bike Summit. Here he is. Right. Yeah, I'm doing an intro to alley cat. It's an alley cat in conjunction with the National Bike Summit, but not officially associated with the National Bike Summit. And so it's for locals and for attendees of the National Bike Summit. Uh-huh. And what are we going to do? So it's going to be, I can't tell you exactly what's going to be, but it's going to be <laughs> under 10 miles, 10 checkpoints. It's going to go to some best of spots in Washington, D.C. Yeah, there'll be some murals, some monuments, some iconic spots, some pickups, but mainly, mainly uh, selfies. Oh, selfies. Why? Yeah. Why? Okay, well, the, the industry has changed. You know, now within the messenger industry, sometimes there will be a proof of delivery with a photo. But the selfie has come because a lot of times there would be a manifest, and the manifest would have questions, and you would write the answer to the question down. But then with uh, texting and Nextel technology or whatever, the messengers could steal the information. So the selfie at every location reduces the cheating. <laughs> it's funny that people would want to cheat, you know? like. Oh, I'm going to pretend that I rode my bike, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an e-bike, but that's another story. Uh, yes. So this this is the cheating that we're talking about. Yeah, she, we've been talking. She's doing it all the time. She admitted it. Yeah. So no, I mean, but so that's the thing is there's a little bit of a pirate nature. There's a question of like how much cheating is cheating. And uh, so, I mean, sometimes like, you're supposed to prove you're supposed to be there. But just like with the question, it asks a question. If you know the answer to the question without going there, why would you go there? Yeah. So, but... <laughs> It's very philosophical. Yeah, I mean, it, but I prefer, so you try and make it away so you can reduce the cheating as much as possible so they have to go to the checkpoints. Huh. And so uh, last year, President's Day, I hosted a Lincoln-themed alley cat. Right now, we're at the National Bike, Bike Summit here on F Street. Around the corner is Ford's Theater, where Abraham Lincoln was shot. But I ended up creating a, a nice little route that involves a lot of bike lanes and uh, so that people from out of town can have safe passage and uh, some quick turnoffs. This is my friend Lisa Brady. She's in town from Idaho and she is going to be volunteering and running one of my checkpoints. Excellent. Great. Yay. So I'm a DC local and so I'm a cyclist and as a cyclist I dabble in many disciplines. Mountain biking is my favorite. I'm on a mountain bike team that hosts DCCX, a cyclocross race for 15 years. And uh, I do alley cats and 
As a member of the cycling community, you kind of learn this notion of giving back. Other people promote events and you enjoy doing them, you have to give back as well. And so I host Alley Cats and then other people host Alley Cats, I do Alley Cats and it kind of pass the torch. I'm just trying to keep it along. I'll do it for a while and then someone else will take over. What do you think of uh, cycling infrastructure here? Um, it's complicated. I think, you know, I'm excited that safe cycling's a focus. There's a lot of bike lanes, a lot of separated bike lanes. But, um, you know, I think, you know, more signs, more rules, more laws. You know, I think we need to change the way people think, you know. The, the infrastructure, if, if, if the infrastructure is not respected, what's the point? You know, people, if someone's parked in the bike lane, it, it then makes it more dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, not to get on the e-bike diatribe, but, you know, Leah's my friend that when we just saw, she just rolled up on a pedal assist uh, e-bike and she's a strong cyclist. And I know it's a cargo bike. She's carry doing work. A couple of times. Yeah. I mean, every time I take a step, I carry more <laughs> than 230 pounds. So that's not like, a big deal to me. Um, but, but, but we just have to understand and here we are at this it's called the national bike summit which is a form of a transportation advocacy summit and the e-bike we just have to take an understanding of the e-bike is a form of motorcycle yeah. it's it's not a form of a bicycle because the bicycle loses being a bicycle as soon as you put a motor on it and if these machines of the same speed power velocity horsepower had an exhaust pipe on it nobody would permit it on the sidewalk or the bike path when i ride my bicycle in the bike lane or the bike path it's to get away from the cars to get away from the motorized you know Rabbiters, quotes, whatever, to get away from motorized vehicles. And so when these e-bikes are now moving into those bike lanes or the bike paths, it then defeats the whole purpose. I, I've now lost my sanctuary and I'm now put at risk, just as much risk by a motorized vehicle. Have so, you been hit? Um, no, but I, I do have to change my, change my, my pace. And uh, every day I have near head-ons where I have to alter my pace because someone's zigzagging through and coming head-on and I have to reduce my speed. Maybe I'm a one-man advocacy group. I don't know. That's one, good. I mean, I'm definitely not for profit because I don't have any money. <laughs> in Germany, there's people who are going out into the mountains with e-bikes and then getting, they have no idea what they're doing and they're getting stuck out there and then they have to like, helicopter them out, and, which has become like a serious problem, apparently. Well, I mean, it's good business for the, for the helicopters. I mean, yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in, in Valmont Bike Park, you know, they, so in Boulder, Colorado, they built this amazing facility for uh, recreation. Just as there's basketball courts and soccer fields, they built this mountain bike park. And, uh, I mean, it's free to the people, but it's amazing bu business for the orthopedics. You know, you're just, you're going you're, you're gonna to have these things, you know. I mean, the e-mountain bike is interesting because a lot of the e-bikes are actual, you know, a lot of people talk about the different classifications, and a lot of it is pedal assist. So an athletic cyclist could maybe go for a four-hour mountain journey rather than a two-hour or whatever. But maybe they should be able to go for two hours first and then like work their way up rather than just go for four hours. Well, I mean, I think... I think that's, I mean, I mean, so there's a lot of discussion that exactly. So for me to ride my bicycle and go 18 miles an hour, it takes years to get to that point. And in that mo moment, it takes focus, concentration, and effort. For anyone else, it just takes a you know, swipe of a credit card and they have an e-bike. And then all of a sudden, yeah, they're, they're in this high-speed, high-risk environment. environment. Yeah, and they don't understand. It's a white-knuckle adventure. They don't know, like... I see these people blasting their NP NPR on their cargo bikes with the kids on the back just smiling along the way. It's like, 
really, I think they should just get a convertible. Like they think their kids are getting some sort of outdoor experience, you know. But I mean, it's <laughs> it's not what you think it is. Like, I mean, if you know. You know, we've gone from Alley Cat to talk about uh, e-bikes and John Wilkes Booth, and you know, I was talking to. Uh, How are you going to edit uh, this? I mean, what are you going to get? I won't. This? Uh, and I don't know what I'll get out of it until uh, we actually air it. Uh, but then I was talking to Leah, and she mentioned that um, that she's ADD. And I was thinking as we're talking, like we've been all over the place. And uh, do you think that cyclists have ADD? Or I think more? it's interesting. I mean, like I think like I mean. It's an interesting question what draws people to different cultures. Like the messenger community draws a different type of person. And uh, some, uh, yeah, it, you see a repeated kind of dysfunction in the high achieving messengers. I definitely, I think the alley cat, it's funny. Somebody asked me why I do it. And I think it's, it's a way that I can focus my energy. It's good for me to have a positive place. I like a project, you know, and somebody, it could be for, you know, at other times I do other things, you know, I'm not a potter, I'm not a painter, but you know, it's good to have a project. I enjoy to have the project. And it's like, this is my little mandala. And today we're going to see the mandala finished and then the wind will blow the colorful dust away, you know, but I studied psychology and I can't tell you if more people, if, if the people are more messed up in the bike community than any other community. Why don't we just say, yeah. Why not, right? We can, we can handle it. I mean, but, you know, Leah's an interesting person. I mean, it, it's an interesting person. I mean, these people here and their quest to, like, find their place in the bike life, you know? And she's worked, she's worked at, at Bicycle Co-ops. She worked at Capital Bike Share. And now she's got her own business as a, as a mobile bike mechanic. And she does bicycle education. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's people trying to, like, make a difference. Uh, you're listening to Bike Life Radio, KWNK 97.7 FM. Thanks for chatting with me. Well, good to meet you, and uh, yeah, ah. hopefully you can edit some of that out. <laughs> I don't. I have a, an entire hour to fill, so it just, I, I throw it all on there. All right, we're at the National Bike Summit, KWNK 97.7 FM, and uh, my daughters, Alara oh. and Ava, just recently went for uh, some to watch some presentations. So, Ava... What did you learn at your... <laughs> They're trying to run away so they don't have to talk to me. What was it like? Uh, come here. Okay. Papers. Oh, you're going to show us the paper. All right. Ava's got a ton of notes. So, Alara, what, did, uh, what was the name of the conference that you went to? And what did you see? Biking for all ages. Yeah. And so what was it like? Uh, separated bike lanes can um oh um it was like trails or whatever um for bikes and stuff and like people help create less stress or something like that i forgot Hmm. ava so what was your presentation on conversation with people who are disabled Disabled. And, and what was it like um it was really like those people that were talking on the zoom they like told like stories about like how like their cities like need to like realize that not just like people who don't have disabilities can ride bikes but people with disabilities can ride bikes and like poor eyesight like there could be like a bunch of branches everywhere in their city and like people with poor eyesight like they'd be riding and then like the branches they could hurt themselves really badly. And this one woman, that happened to her, and she had to, like, call the city to come clean it up. And, like, 
this guy, he has PhD, I think. PTSD? Oh, uh, oh, he's a doctor. Yeah, a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like he rides his bike a lot and stuff, and he gets like pulled over by the police for no reason, like at all. Hmm. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. And like, um, but I wrote a lot, but I don't want to say it on the podcast since there's a lot. Okay, we'll we'll digest all of these notes and put together a presentation. Okay. Thanks for going. Yeah. My daughters, Alara and Ava Plaskon, at the National Bike Summit in Washington, D.C. Want to go ride? Go look at the White House? I found the White House. Yeah. You want to go see it? How far away is it? It's pretty close. It's not very far. That's what you always say. (laughs) And then it's like 20 miles away, bro. That's not very far. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah, it is very far. Not when you ride 20 miles all the time. Oh, my God. Then it's like a normal distance. Dad, no, it's not. No. No. Normal distance is like at least 2.5 miles. Mm-hmm. Maybe de- eight. That's far. Who decided that 2.5 miles is not long? Me when I was six. No. Well, yeah. now you're like more than double that age, so you should be able to go more than double that distance, like 20 miles. Oh, my God. No. You're like... <laughs> Alright. Anyway, let's go see the White House. Okay. It's not like 20 miles, right? No. Okay. (laughs) That's it for Bike Life Radio. So now we know what a happy place a city can be when it has a healthy bicycle culture. Last week, we had a special episode of Bike Life Radio. In case you missed it, we featured how easily Washington, D.C. has installed protected bike paths. And then we compared that to Reno, which is struggling to install just one protected bike path for years from UNR to Midtown. The show is almost an entire hour of city staff arguing with the city council, refusing to move forward. No kidding, an entire hour. It's not happy at all. You can find the episode on KWNK's Spotify. But this is Bike Month, so let's keep a positive attitude and maybe we'll make incremental uh, positive steps over time. Uh, There are events every Thursday in May at 6 p.m. at Craft in Midtown. The first 20 people who show up get a drink ticket. We've already had the first event, which was a Star Wars-themed ride where we did lightsaber battles in the street. These events are a ton of fun. Again, Thursdays at 6 p.m. at Craft in Midtown. That's it for Bike Life Radio. We record out in the world, never in a studio. Bike Life Radio is made possible by KWNK in Reno, Nevada, owned and operated by the nonprofit bike shop Reno Bike Project. I'm Kai Plaskon. Right on. Serious on your bicycle? Let's take a bicycle fun break with Bike Life Radio. Yeah, so when you said you don't ride a bike, that's not true. You do. That's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, we've found out the truth about you. You're a closet bike rider. That's right. Well, that's awesome. That Catch Bike Life Radio the first Sunday of every month with me, Kai Plaskon, right on bikewasho.org.